What's going on, everyone? Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Day by Day. My name's Mitchell Day, and I'm a singer-songwriter based in Nashville, Tennessee. And this is a podcast where I interview creative professionals, and we talk through what creativity looks like for them on a day-by-day basis. My guest this week is digital media creator Zach Tremblay. Zach is the owner of Tremblay Magazine, which has garnered nearly 100,000 downloads. Zach has also traveled all over to interview big-name artists such as Martin Garrix, Lucas Graham, Kane Brown, and Hosier, just to name a few. He's also a good friend of mine and the first person in the entertainment industry to ever give me a chance. So I'm honored to have him on this podcast and bring this thing full circle. Zach is such a genuine person, full of so much knowledge and wisdom. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Zach Tremblay. Zach Tremblay. What's up, Mitchell? How's it going, man? Good, good. Thanks for uh, jumping on this call and taking time to talk. Of course, man. I'm super stoked that you got a podcast now. Yeah, it's kind of this random, like, happened out of nowhere sort of thing where one day I just woke up and I was like, you know what? I have nothing to do today. Let let me start a podcast. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you this. You picked the perfect time to do it. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's it's honestly like I feel like a lot of the foundational stuff that's required to get a podcast off the ground. Like I actually have the time to commit to it right now. (laughs) So yeah, I can spend all day editing and talking with people, which is which is cool. And that's the silver lining. (laughs) Totally, totally. Well, Zach, you are in the digital media sphere of entertainment. Uh, You're the creator of Tremblay Magazine, uh, and you've interviewed some big names, such as uh, Kane Brown, Lucas Graham, Jesse McCartney, David Archuleta, and and a lot more. (laughs) Yeah, man. Um, That's really cool. Can you you take us back to the beginning of where that all started and what got you interested in this career path? Oh, man. Well, I mean... I mean, it's a super long story, but like the funny thing about this magazine, and I think the best part about anything that happens like this is it happened by mistake. Really? Um, I never, I never actually had a plan to start a magazine. It kind of just happened. Um, So basically how that happened was um, in, I believe 2016, when we launched the magazine, we, um, we kind of tried to figure out how we wanted to take a new approach to everything I have been doing years prior. So um, I had this interview scheduled with a, an American Idol winner. His name was Scotty McCreary. And, um, never heard of him. It just, <laughs> no, <laughs> never <laughs> heard of him. <laughs> no, he's great. Um, but so basically what had happened was I had had an in-person interview scheduled with him. And for scheduling reasons, it kind of fell through. So they they scheduled a email interview. So I just send over questions via email. Um, but at the time, you know, it was the, it was the height of, you know, American Idol's end and they were coming to their final season on Fox. So I decided that I didn't want to do just a normal Q and a, I wanted to kind of release something a little bit more special other than just like a website post. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, what can I do to kind of give, uh, the homage to American Idol that kind of inspired me to begin this career along with kind of, uh, a bigger platform for Scotty himself, who was releasing new music at the time. So um, for me, I sat down and thought about it. And I'm like, why don't I start a digital 
magazine. Granted, the print industry isn't necessarily progressing, but the digital world will always be what it is. So uh, starting a digital magazine was a huge step for me, and I'm glad I took that step for sure. That's yeah, that's really, really crazy. Like a lot of a lot of very specific elements have to fall into place in order for that to become a reality. Did you like grow up really inspired by film and music and like all these different spheres of entertainment? Or was it something like one day you were just like, oh, it'd be cool to <laughs> to do this? Um, I think from a very young age, music has always been something I was inspired by. So you know, and that all bringing it back to American Idol was kind of the start of my love for the entertainment industry. I mm. grew up watching Ryan Seacrest hosting American Idol and I grew up watching that show religiously from week to week, from start to finish. So it's like seeing the opportunity that those contestants have, um, you know, granted, I am not a great singer. I cannot sing to save my life, but <laughs> I, I wanted to come up with a reason to be in the industry and an important way to kind of be relevant, mm -hmm. which is kind of weird because obviously if I can't be a musician, there's still other ways to be involved in that world. And this magazine was it for me. You've had to you've had to creatively navigate professional relationships and, and networks that you've you've built uh, to get like let's say labels or management to allow you access to their artists and clients. How how difficult is that to get uh, bigger artists on board with, with doing interviews? You know, it's it's pretty funny because you would think that free promotion would be like an easy yes for a lot of people. <laughs> Uh, but it's a lot harder than you would think. Um, really? Okay, so like in the in the beginning, um, like let's take it back. So when I was 14 years old, I did my first interview with someone that I had known who was on American Idol who would happen to be a local person. Um, so that was kind of like my first introduction to kind of interviewing in general. Um, so I did my first interview at 14. And then from there... Um, I kind of had to prove myself as, you know, a professional mm. at the at the young age of 14 in high school. Um, so it's it's a way of how you carry yourself. It's a way of showing your passion and your drive and letting people know that this isn't something that you're just doing for fun. I mean, granted, I was having a lot of fun while doing it, but it was something that I knew that I wanted to do for the rest of my life and I had to wow. take it very seriously um so yeah yeah press press and media can sometimes get a a really bad rep for being i don't know like pushy or aggressive but that that's not you <laughs> like you are a very down-to-earth guy um super cool Thanks, to be man. around yeah how do you how do you allow your personality to like shine through and but at the same time keep that balance of the dynamic of like you you need compelling interviews and you need to get through the door how do you balance that dynamic um, you know what? I think, I think the biggest thing for me when I was younger was kind of realizing that what I envisioned in my mind wasn't something that I could actually see in the industry at the time. Um, and that was a positive media source that didn't always try to grasp the attention of people through either like gossip or confrontation mm -hmm. or like something that, you know, is attention grabbing essentially clickbait, um, as they call it now. Um, so like for me, I think my biggest goal from the beginning was to just be a media source that was 
uh, trusted by record labels and trusted by artists themselves because at the end of the day, the artists are the people that open up to you and th mm. those are the people that are going to give you the quality content that you're trying to push out. So just being that person that can level with them and understand their perspective is, uh, I think, the main priority when trying to create a positive source for people. Do you feel like people generally have this preconceived notion of what dealing with you would be being press? Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's this preconceived like idea of press and that took years and years of trying to prove myself to people. And that's how mm. I've created some of the best relationships I have today with record labels, with artists. Um, it's, it's just about just being a good person and mm -hmm. being that type of person that they can trust because at the end of the day, because I'm interviewing these big names, it's the trust of the labels and the people believing in me, knowing that I'm not going to make their client or their artist look bad. Because, mm. mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's easy ways to get interviews and then all of a sudden you just ruin that opportunity with one like big controversy. But like, what's that worth to you in the long run? It's yeah. like you're not going to ever gain that trust of that, of that label or that artist again. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So your your brand has very much had to be building trust with management and labels and artists. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's always been a, a trust building like situation, but I mean like a lot of people have to realize it's a lot slower process with the way I do it because it doesn't it doesn't allow me to easily get myself into these offices or into these artists' minds because I mean, it's taken me 10 years to get to this point of interviewing people that I love. Mm. It's, it's, taken, it's taken a lot of like smaller indie artists that I've absolutely adored over the years and that I've mm. grown so much that allowed me to kind of present myself in a way where labels are like, okay, this outlet is great. This outlet is um, proving themselves. And I mean, the time is worth it because now it's like quickly working its way. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's one of the first things that I noticed uh, working with you. So you are the first person in the entertainment industry to uh, ever give me a chance. <laughs> like I remember I remember you reached out and I was like blown away. I was like what? <laughs> I almost I almost thought it was a scam because you, well because you hear so like as an artist you hear like there's so many services and outlets out there that are trying to get you to pay for um, totally. Yeah, and and I remember being like, "Oh, when's this person gonna ask uh, for like? <laughs> oh, and by the way, for four hundred dollars, we you, you can get this, this, and this." But you never did, and it was just like, "Hey, I like what you're doing. Uh, would you want to uh, talk?" And it was just such a cool experience to have uh, my first feature through such a cool outlet such as Tremblay Magazine, and I remember just being really, really grateful. Uh, for you and for that. Oh, thanks, man. I mean, it's it's been a super important thing for me to build trust with people. And like another huge thing for me was was kind of giving artists that have so much talent like yourself a chance to kind of reach a platform that isn't necessarily always available because as much as it's hard for me to to get interviews, it's even harder for artists to get interviews with outlets that think they're above people. Mm. And I never think that I'm above any artist in this industry because everyone starts somewhere and that's me believing in people from the beginning. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think that shows through uh, with your brand in particular is you have this aesthetic that's one, very, very professional, but two, very personal at the same time. Um, when you were doing like coverage of airwaves, we yeah. spent the whole day together just like hanging out. <laughs> and we t- we did, yeah. And it was awesome. It was just so cool. It was like it was fun. Yeah, totally. And I remember just being like, wow, like I feel like this doesn't really happen. And it's never no, it's with, rare. with Tremblay magazine, it's never like gotcha journalism, yet the stories are still right. compelling. Like you don't sacrifice compelling coverage. It's like the best of both worlds. Like you get good content for fans who love whatever artist you're covering, but you're not stirring controversy or creating unnecessary drama, which is just so cool and refreshing. Well, thanks, man. I mean, I think I think the biggest thing that I had to realize was I had to make a choice from a very young age to either have the respect of the public or to have the respect of the industry. And there's two very different situations there because you can have the respect of the public eye, but that would mean giving the public what they want, which isn't always the most positive thing. Um, Whereas in the industry, it's about creating respect and building relationships. And that's where the key to my success comes into play is just having the respect of those people and giving them a place where they can feel safe and they could feel trusted. Um, And at the end of the day, I'm glad I chose to be that outlet because it just has created so many beautiful relationships through it and I wouldn't have it any other way. It's really discouraging to see like the fact that you have to choose one. Like the respect of the public and the respect of the industry aren't in sync with each other. Right. Yeah. And I think I think another one of the biggest things that that factors into making that choice is being willing to sacrifice numbers because a big part of this industry all has to do and as you know is with numbers so for mm-hmm. for an for an outlet like myself I'm not clickbait so I don't have those constant people like clicking on things that aren't straightforward so you actually have to create content and give content that people will genuinely enjoy without creating confrontation so mm-hmm. it's like so for me I accepted the fact that yeah I may not get like 10,000 downloads this month, but I will have the respect of every single artist that I'm featuring in this issue. Mm. And if I gain one new person downloading this magazine from this experience, I'm totally okay with it. Mm. You're playing the you're playing the long game there, which is so much better. It is a longer game. <laughs> yeah, in an age of clickbait and just trying to make anything more dramatic than it is, it, it is nice to see an outlet that's just like, oh, they actually genuinely care and... They're not like just consumed on, uh, about numbers or downloads. It's it's a very rare rare trait to come across. So that's awesome, man. And yeah, I mean, like outlets like yourself, I feel like it's it is a longer game, but it's going to be a platform and has been a platform that people will circle back to when they want reliable coverage or want reliable information. Yeah, that's the most rewarding part, man. It's just having the same amount of people reach back out. And and that's the biggest thing when working with with record labels and PR firms now is like, I, I now deal with the same people consecutively every month with new artists. So it's like they have found that trust in me as I found that trust in them. Um, so it's just a beautiful thing. I want to I want to circle back for a second just cuz I think it's really interesting to see where people kind of came from and uh remember back to what it was like at the beginning. Going back to your first interview uh when you were 14, do you remember what you were feeling during that time when it came time to interview? Uh totally. Yeah. 
What, can totally, you, can you yeah. break that down? <laughs> oh my God, for sure, man. Um, honestly, I was completely terrified. Um, it was it was one of those things, and it's funny because a couple of weeks ago, I sat down and I found that clip of my first interview and I watched it with my mom for the first time oh. since I released it. <laughs> and it was the most religious experience <laughs> I've ever had in my life. I'm just like, who is this kid? What is he doing? I was oh, no man. joke, Mitchell. I was I was holding a piece of printed paper in a sheet protector, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "What are you doing, dude?" Oh, it was man. crazy. That's awesome. But the nerves were there, obviously, because it was my first time ever doing anything. But I mean, there was also a level of comfort because one of the biggest things for me from the beginning was having a conversation with artists and not keeping it calculated because and as you're as you're doing this podcast i'm sure you're you're learning very quickly that conversations are much more appealing than structured content mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep so i mean for me having the opportunity to have conversations with artists and granted that took me a very long time to kind of get comfortable with um just having conversations with people are, is so much more appealing and um having that growth and seeing that growth from my first interview to now is insane. Yeah. Dude, interviewing so like I'm just I'm realizing through the course of this podcast, yeah, interviewing people is really hard. <laughs> I have a <laughs> lot of respect for uh for you and for people who do this as a living. It's like it, it requires so much creativity to have a forced or let's I'd rather rather say a recorded yet natural conversation. Like you're like, for okay, sure. okay, all right, here's the boundaries that we can stay within. Uh, it's not just like a anything goes conversation and it's recorded. Go. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, that's, that's right. Tough. That's tough. It is tough. Yeah. What have you learned over the course of interviewing people um, besides, you know, the fact that just conversation is better? How have you learned how to have better conversations? This is going to sound really crazy, but it's it's to learn when to stop talking. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, Interesting. For me, for me, I always I always worried that I would over talk over the people that I work with. Um, so that was something I kind of had to grow into. Um, but just allowing that person to have room to breathe and have room to talk without going from topic to topic to topic. It's it has to be a very natural progression and a natural feeling and i think that that's something that you can learn over time mm. um but like you're doing great dude like this is the most comfortable interview i've ever done oh come on <laughs> <laughs> that's so true yeah i listened back to i actually didn't even launch the very first one that i did but i listened back to it and i'm like man will you shut up mitchell like <laughs> <laughs> just stop talking <laughs> Oh man, yeah, it's very uncomfortable to have like awkward silences and dead space. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, you just I mean, you just have to in a way forget that all of this is being recorded and just have a conversation. Mm. And that and that comes and I will I hate to say this, but it comes with the person you're talking to. Mm. Like it you have to have a type of comfort when you're talking to these artists and that brings it back to um finding trust in people like the artists that i work with i try everything in my power to make them feel comfortable before we even turn the camera on like you you have to create that relationship otherwise the conversation will not work 
Can we can we break down an interview that you've done? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it back to an interview that I did last November. Okay. Um, so that was the interview that I did with Lucas Graham. Okay, awesome. So um, basically, what had happened was um, I was invited to go to his uh, his tour, and they were closing out the tour in Boston, which was great. Um, so I went to the House of Blues in Boston and I went backstage and I sat down with uh, Lucas on a couch to have this kind of open conversation. Um, and during that that open conversation, you could definitely tell that there was kind of a switch in the conversation. Um, so if you go back and you actually listen to my interview with him, um, you can kind of tell the switch of comfort. Because there's a sense of, you know, answers that are like preconceived in our minds that we'll say, but then there's also a rare and rawness to what he says, you know, post everything that we needed to cover. So like, again, bringing it back to having a conversation right when he walked in the room, you know, it's just like you shake your, sorry, you shake each other's hands Mm -hmm. and um, you kind of just have like a human connection first. Um, it's it's important to stay professional, but it's important to kind of make it personal as well. You want to you want them to understand that you're human as much as theirs human. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. you know what I mean. So that's a super important key factor, and um, I had one of the most rewarding feelings post interview with him. Um, once the interview was over, once we stopped recording, he was just like, usually it's like a hit or miss with interviews. It's either really, really good or really, really bad. And um, he appreciated how comfortable the conversation was, which made me feel like all of my hard work was worth it. Um, and then he ended up inviting me to soundcheck, which was the coolest thing in the world. Dude, that's awesome. That's yeah, it was so fun. Cool. Do you feel like when you do those interviews with like bigger name artists like Lucas Graham, like do you go in with the sense of jitters or do you kind of learn how to shut it off and just get done what you need to get done? Um, I think nerves are very normal in that sense because nerves just, I mean, it shows that you care. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I care so much about what I do and what I produce that there's a lot riding on the content that I release. Um, so for me, I think that there will always be that sense of nerve, but it's important to kind of push past it. And I always do. It's kind of like, it's kind of like a switch. So like any, you'll hear oftentimes artists will go on stage and it's like they black out and they perform and it's this whole other thing. Mm-hmm. For, that's, that's interviewing for me. Like when I'm in an interview, when I press record, like my mind is so like prepared in a sense. And, and preparation is the biggest success to that is just knowing who you're talking to, knowing what you want to cover and just having that conversation. If you're prepared, you're bound to have a really good conversation. Have you had any interviews and you don't have to name like what they were, but where you weren't as prepared as you would like to be and it just did not go well? Um, <laughs> I don't think there's ever been a time where it didn't go well. Um, necessarily, but I think there has definitely been times where, uh, like the chemistry didn't work or, um, the person wasn't willing to open up, which, Mm. you know, it's, it's fair in the industry we're in. Um, so, I mean, 
gaining that trust is always an obstacle, but it's not something you can't overcome in that sense. Gotcha. So how do you acclimate if somebody's just not giving you any, not that you're like fishing for, you know, a reaction or, or anything, but like if somebody's just not giving you anything to work with, how do you as the interviewer take the lead and, and continue a conversation, keep it going? Um, for me, it's always about body language. Interesting. <laughs> uh, because for me, I've definitely had many interviews where it's like, super like and you you could tell like if you look back at some of my interviews you can see that i was like super like uptight and nervous in some situations mm. but but then when you watch back like my really successful interviews it's it's like me with like my leg crossed or like under my leg and like chilling laying back like <laughs> like it's like the most comfortable atmosphere like if you put yourself in a situation to be uptight the interview is going to be uptight and that's what I've come to realize over time. It's just like, sit comfortably, look the person in the eye, keep a good distance, like understand their levels of comfort and your levels of comfort and just mesh the two together and see if it works. That's crazy. Do you have to like rehearse certain cues such as body language as the interviewer or get good at? No, um, I don't think necessarily rehearse. The only time I ever rehearse something is when uh, I have like an intro planned. Okay. Um, like I said, like when I first started out, I used like note cards and like paper and like all that type of stuff. But now I would not go anywhere near that. Like I, it's for me, it's, it's respect to the artist that you took the time to understand what you're pushing mm. enough not to need pre-noted questions. Um, so I luckily have the time and the resource to, cater to each of the artists that I work with and for that to work. Obviously, for people who are on morning talk shows and have new people coming in every day, that's obviously not a luxury they have. Mm. Um, but for me, it's important to kind of know that artist and give them that level of comfort, knowing that I came in prepared and they're prepared to talk about what we're here for. Yeah, it shows people, again, going back to your brand being very personal yet professional. Yeah. It shows people that you care and that you're invested in the artist, um, which is just For a sure. great thing. Yeah. How has your brand evolved uh, over the years? And then how have you like creatively adapted to stay relevant where you know, you've needed to make changes? Um, I think that's something I'm still trying to figure out. Hmm. Um, I, th I think, I think the, the idea of the brand has been consistent since I started. Um, it's it's all about evolving with the times, um, and it's going to make me sound really really old right now. But I I like have so much trouble trying to like comprehend the mind of a teenager these days. Yeah, um, <laughs> you're not alone in that. And so it's for me it's difficult trying to understand what would capture their attention in this day and age. Um. Mm. And that's my demographic, man. I'm working with with artists who appeal to these young teenagers and young adults. So it's just it's just about it's just about trying your best to stay relevant and up to date with the ever changing industry. Are there certain things that you wrestle with just being in a creative field that hinder your creativity? And if so, how do you, how do you get past those? Um. I think the biggest thing for me is 
understanding that there's going to be times when you're completely uninspired and not motivated to work. Mm. Um, and for me, for the longest time, I tried to push past that. Um, but the biggest thing that I've learned and the biggest thing that I understand is that taking a step back and taking a moment to exhale and, and give yourself a break is going to be one more refreshing and two, a lot more worth it in the long run when you have the opportunity to see things with a fresher perspective. It's very, it's very important to not rely on just like how you feel because I feel like any creative I've spoken to and just taking inventory of myself, like I, I most of the time feel uninspired and feel frustrated or like, oh, this song that I'm working on is terrible. I don't want to do it. But like, if I just leave it at that and I'm like, okay, well, if I don't want to do it, then I probably shouldn't do it. Then like nothing would get done. <laughs> yeah. You got to trust your gut, man. Absolutely. Do you have any horror stories? Just because everyone loves to hear like times that things have just gone absolutely horribly. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, that, anything that you'd be comfortable sharing? <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I've. I've dealt with every type of horror story you could possibly think of. Um, in the in the interview sense, you would think that like, luckily I've been very lucky with on camera stuff. I've never had anything terrible happen on camera. That's good. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, for me, a lot of it is like behind the scenes stuff that is just like a complete nightmare. Um, like, for instance, I'll give you the perfect example. Um, in 2012, I was a huge fan of this band called Hot Shell Ray. I don't know if you know who they are. I don't. So they actually live in Nashville. You should check them out. They're oh, amazing. Cool. Um, so they are a super like great band that I was obsessed with in high school. And um, I landed an interview with them in person. And they were opening for Demi Lovato on her tour. So I was invited to go backstage and interview them. And um, basically what had happened was um, it was the same day as, I want to say it was either the Boston Boat Show or the Boston Marathon. It was one of the two. Um, and the traffic was unbelievably like terrible. Yeah, so um, I ended up missing the interview. No. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And their schedule was so like, their schedule was so like planned out that like the time I had was the only time they had. Oh my um, gosh! Yeah, so I I missed the interview by five minutes. Oh. Yep, uh, it was a nightmare, and I was so mad at myself. Um, and it's like, and for me, like I live an hour away from Boston, which isn't like bad in like retrospect, but like when you put into play like traffic and the weekend and people and everything and all that stuff. And granted I was in high school, so I, I wasn't really thinking of that situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it made me extra cautious to every interview I ever did following. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm, I'm always an hour early to every interview I ever do now. Um, I, I either go like grab a drink or I go grab lunch or like something relatively in the area of what I'm doing. And I make sure that I'm on time for absolutely everything that mm -hmm. I do. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, because missing that interview was so devastating for a 16-year-old. <laughs> oh gosh, dude, I can imagine. I'm like, I, I feel like we all have stories, whether it's a yeah job interview or a uh, an important something important to us uh, that we've like, oh man, if I left, like to to miss it by a five minute window was just like, ah, oh, it was so close. <laughs> yeah, so man, close. Oh, terrifying. Horrible. And the wor- the worst part, and like. I was like debating telling this part of the story, but like it was a huge part of the reason why I am the way I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the publicists called me the following day, and this is this is a publicist for a huge record label, um, and she basically like put me in my place and told me the importance of being on time and the importance of being on a schedule and blah 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 blah. You know all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So. For me, it was a huge, huge wake-up call, but it's something that needed to happen for me to have the ethic and the decisions that I make today. Did you take that phone call constructively or were you just like broken over it? (laughs) Uh, You know, at the time, like I mentioned, I was like 16. So it was like, it was very hard to hear, but it also felt at the, it felt like the end of the world at the same time. Yeah. Because I'm like, this label's never going to work with me again. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I have the best relationship with that label. That's so great. It's like, <laughs> That's so great. It's, it's like, it's like, you can overcome any situation. If you put in the work, you take the time and you, and you utilize the criticism that you're getting. Have you gotten to interview the band since? Yeah, yeah. I actually Sweet. interviewed them a couple months ago. <laughs> Whoa. All right. So full circle. <laughs> full circle moment. That's awesome. Yeah. See, it's so important to take those things constructively because you ended up getting the interview done and you learned a super valuable lesson that trickled over to every other interview you've done since. For sure. That's For awesome. Sure. That's so cool. Well, Zach, we're going to wrap up here in a, in a minute, but um, do you have two pieces of advice that you would give to anybody in any type of creative field that would help them kind of foster their creativity or push to be more creative in the face of any opposition that they may feel or be facing? Yeah, um, I think the biggest thing is just to not neglect the thoughts in your mind because I think every day we battle with the thought of what other people will think of what we create, but it's what Mm. we create that other people love. So um, you're always going to find that one person that connects with what you're releasing. So just as cliche as it sounds, just stay true to who you are and don't negate what your talent is and what your mind is telling yourself to do because usually it steers you in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is awesome. Well, Zach, thank you so much for taking the time to talk. Where, where can people find you and learn more about uh, Tremblay Magazine and what you do? Yeah, so I'm on social media. All my socials are at Zach Tremblay and you can head on over to ZachTremblay.com for a new issue of Tremblay every month. You should totally do it, people. It's an awesome, awesome outlet. Zach, thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks, Mitchell. My special thanks to Zach Tremblay for coming on and taking the time to talk with me. And as always, if you could take just a moment to go on Apple Podcasts and give this podcast a positive rating, it makes such a big difference. If you'd like to follow me on any social media platform, you can find me at Mitchell Day. That's M-I-T-C-H-E-L-D-A-E. Or on Spotify to hear more songs like this. Bring my 